Hello and welcome to Tech Talk, a podcast for early stage tech startups brought to you by SparkSense. We discuss with entrepreneurs, investors, executives to share hands-on actionable insights how to bring unique solutions to market. We talk about sales, financing, and technology. So welcome everyone to this uh, Tech Talk with uh, specifically focusing on drug discovery technology. And uh, we have uh, the pleasure to discuss this for a good reason, because drug discovery is a big topic. And effectively, we have a race going on, right? There is a race going on in this field. And the race is, uh, you can see this race uh, also in the way uh, startups are being funded. Uh, most recently, even in the first half of 2021, with very recent numbers, there's been a, over $2.1 billion invested in AI-driven drug development startups. So it's a fairly big amount, and it's been growing rapidly over the last three to four years already. So it's a space which is, uh, which is very exciting and a lot of uh, things happening. And at SparkSense, we are also excited to be part of this because we are uh, specifically focusing on bringing technology to market. Uh, my name is Yarve Fruto. I am the founder of SparkSense. And together with me today, I have the pleasure to welcome Arpita. Arpita is one of our business development associates who is going to walk us through her experience of bringing technology to market in the drug discovery uh, field. And in particular, when it comes to digital uh, usage of tools, whether it's hardware or software, of course, AI is playing a big role as well. So, Arpita, welcome to this session, and the floor is yours. Thank you, Harve. Uh, thanks uh, for the kind introduction and having me today to talk about uh, how we can uh, leverage on the recent uh, funding that has been uh, in the uh, drug discovery field in terms of AI and machine learning. And uh, we would uh, talk a little bit about my experience uh, in both working uh, in technology as well as bringing technology to the market uh, thereafter and see both sides uh, of uh, the re our research and development and the market uh, discovery along the way. So I uh, basically am a biophysicist by uh, training. Uh, I have done uh, my PhD in the University of Dusseldorf uh, in studying also uh, protein ligand interactions in uh, drug uh, discoveries. Uh, in certain ways, and uh, thereafter, after some uh, postdocs and uh, research experience as scientists, so now I also look more into the bringing those, uh, what we do in the lab, how we can bring those uh, in the market as well. So as uh, we know, as Harvey already mentioned, how there is this big noise around AI and uh, machine learning uh, uh, in the drug discovery uh, recently, and also like in uh, from if we compare in last two years, so there has been around 40% rise in uh, investment in this particular field in AI, especially AI in uh, drug discovery and healthcare sector. So we know that how relevant and important it is uh, for today to leverage on this uh, particular uh, hype, uh, and uh, we are hoping to live up to the hype uh, of that has been generated. So to begin with uh, a little bit about drug discovery, what, what is uh, it actually and how AI is gonna help uh, us uh, in this? So drug discovery is a process uh, we might know that which aims at identifying uh, the compounds uh, or small molecules uh, which are therapeutically useful. Uh, what I mean is that they can cure or treat a particular disease. So the hunt uh, for those uh, compounds or candidates is there. Cost of developing a new drug uh, that gets approval uh, is estimated to be around uh, 
two to three billion US dollars. So the longer the trial, the clinical trial lasts, the more patients uh, need to be involved in this. And there is a larger loss, both in terms of time, resources, the money, labor costs. So, I mean, the progress itself goes really slowed down and there is a lot of frustration around. So I think uh, this is where AI comes into play to accelerate this whole pipeline. As we see here, there are, uh, uh, let's say, 10,000 uh, starting compounds, uh, which uh, eventually go through screening and it takes uh, three to five years to get uh, to the preclinical stage and from preclinical, uh, pre let's say five uh, out of 250, uh, comes into the clinical stage. And there is also the whole rigorous uh, safety, pharmacovigilance, uh, clinical trial, et cetera, grows, goes on. So uh, this, this is a quite uh, uh, difficult uh, and time-consuming process, while at the same time, it gives a really, really low success rate. So with AI, what it is aimed that it would help us in identifying targets for interventions, for example, proteins, uh, yeah, and uh, discovering the drug uh, candidates. And along this uh, uh, pharmaceutical value chain, as we see here, so the digital transformation has been uh, taking place to speed up this whole uh, process. So as we try to have an overview of the pharmaceutical value chain, we need to also talk about this digital uh, transformation initiatives that are being undertaken. And uh, this would largely help in tackling the challenges in real data problems. Uh, so yeah, when we are talking about real data problems is like uh, how patients are dropping out of the clinical trials. So it's very difficult uh, when we are uh, uh, doing uh, a long um, spanning over a decade of clinical trial, there are not all the patients uh, who are, who had initially would have volunteered would be willing to go through this whole rigorous process uh, of this. So there is a huge uh, rate of patients dropping out, which uh, is creating a bias uh, in the data uh, studies. And uh, so there has been, uh, to resolve this issue, uh, pharmaceutical companies are evaluating and introducing new digital uh, transformation uh, based research and development processes, uh, in, including uh, computer-aided drug design. So it was a huge buzz, and the uh, expectations uh, from this uh, computer-aided uh, drug design search around uh, 2016, when uh, Gilead Sciences, uh, it's an US-based company, acquired Nimbus. As we can see here, uh, yeah, Nimbus is one of the players uh, working is in uh, this particular area. So it's a subsidiary of uh, Schrodinger. So in Germany also, they, they, they are the, mo the bigger players in computer-aided drug design. So uh, as of now, it wants around the 1.2 million billion US dollars uh, worth of the chemical compounds, uh, which uh, has been developed through their simulation and the softwares they have built. So using its overwhelming uh, powerful supercomputers and unique analysis and algorithms. So we see here how powerful AI is. And in case of also the real world data, this uh, we see that uh, where the disease registry system, the TriNext, this company came uh, into this where they conducted virtual clinical trials. So clinical trials, again, is a tedious process with different stages involved and the passing the phase there. So what it, it did is that uh, it made accessible uh, 
the medical records through all different uh, network of hospitals. So you don't have to go every time to a particular hospital, get the data, do undergo this checkup. So there is a network, they built softwares where they, you can access uh, the data from different hospitals. And so virtually the clinical trial goes on and which has been quite successful in uh, doing those. Another uh, example, just as we walk by would be about continuous manufacturing. So uh, by continuous manufacturing, uh, we, what we, is, we mean is like there is an ability to produce high mix yet low volume pharmaceutical drugs. So it's like requirement based. So it's not uh, you uh, produce a huge uh, amount uh, involving a lot of time. So you as we go, so there is a, as far demand and market uh, requirements, so you go on producing it. So what we see here is important from all these examples and as uh, we go towards digitalization, uh, is important to tap these potential areas and uh, the right with right timeliness and relevance to the market. So these companies, when they came in, so they really identified uh, the pain points and the real customer problems uh, in the market where, uh, for example, with the clinical trials uh, to making it virtual, also the computer-aided drug designs, which already reduced uh, just screening uh, the molecules from two to three years to one year. So already right now, as we speak, so, so to, to create a new business and find those potential ideas in the market uh, is very important to uh, yeah, leverage it. And what is uh, important to note here is that pharma is really well-versed in life sciences, but not so much in digital transformation, I would say, as now. So pharma is likely to outsource these activities uh, uh, to... Yeah, startups uh, working uh, in AI-based technologies and also for bringing them to market uh, there after uh, the, those startups would need uh, really highly skilled, technologically sound people to bring to the market. So there is a whole chain working uh, here. So focusing on, on uh, AI technologies with real understanding of the market readiness and requirement is I think the key here is to really bring the tech to the market. So one of the interesting uh, case studies that we have uh, recently worked uh, is uh, Eldico Scientific. So it's uh, Eldico Scientific is a, a scientific hardware company which uh, builds uh, electron diffractometer. So there, where uh, they study the crystal structures of various uh, uh, compounds and materials, and as we see, they work across different. Uh, a spectrum of uh, various industries, starting with the uh, academic crystallography, which is uh, the research-based work, uh, fundamental science uh, that we do most of the times in industries. Then what is relevant for us today is their drug discovery and design activities, because uh, the small molecules, that starting materials uh, of any uh, drug that comes to the market is uh, thousands of sm small molecules, and from there one finally becomes a drug. So they study uh, with their instrument, we can study the structures uh, of those small molecules, which would be assigned as APIs, active pharmaceutical ingredients. And so we know how relevant and important it is. Apart from that, they are working with the battery is uh, to transform the lithium-based uh, batteries into solid-state batteries and uh, advanced study advanced materials uh, and discover new materials for various um, uh, fields. Uh, as well as uh, metal organic frameworks. Uh, so it is interesting that uh, this has been a fairly recent startup, a couple, just a couple of years old, but uh, very successfully uh, we could bring their technology to the market 
why as uh, so one of the the uh, very important uh, thing to do and to know the first and uh, primary would be to really understand the technology be it uh, in this case we are talking about electron diffraction but e even in ai or digital transformation anywhere the key thing is that you have to know what your technology is that the underlying principles around it and get the right people who can talk in terms of the right words at the right places. So when we are talking with the scientific uh, audience, there are different jargons that we use in terms of business where it, so those balancing is very, very critical to understand what this technology is and accordingly adapt the sales story with the target market. So we see uh, LDCO plays across uh, batteries, uh, pharma. So I, I get to talk to companies like Mark, Johnson & Johnson, so where they are really big pharma playing in this field. And uh, we had to, uh, the, so there the organization structure is also different. So you need to talk at different people at different level of the hierarchy. So to, uh, speak on th those terms and adapt your sales story. So when you were, uh, talking about, uh, okay, the, uh, my particular technology is going to do this. So however the technology is uh, really cutting edge, edge, but how relevant it is to that market is also important <coughs> to bring it in the story, as well as listening to discover the prospects. So I think uh, talk, talk, and talk is very important, but also like to hear them, so to uh, talk in, in a way to trigger them to hear back. Uh, we often need to know what they are doing because uh, my technology may be the best in the world at the moment, but are they do they really need it? How it is going, they are interested in how it is going to help them solve their problems uh, to show somehow that the benefit of uh, getting this uh, uh, particular technology uh, is higher than the cost they would uh, be giving to get this or acquire this instrument or technology. So we all need to be, we need to build up uh, on these priorities uh, by listening and asking questions to them to discover. So it's not always uh, to present it. I know as a passionate scientist, we really like to talk about what we have made, the product that we made or the algorithm that we have uh, written to solve certain uh, problems, but also I think what is important that to have an interactive uh, uh, and continuously ask questions which you can then qualify and really know that uh, the people, the companies that we are talking to is uh, what uh, is relevant for us or not. So, and uh, finally, I would also uh, say that um, actively seek continuous feedback. Sometimes uh, it also happens uh, with uh, some companies uh, that I had been working with, uh, for example, one is a, is a Rimac uh, automobile, so they are in batteries and OEMs, uh, automobile industry, where they did not immediately see the need of uh, the electron diffraction to study new materials, but also you can get the feedback, even if they are not your direct customers, to really what are the areas they are playing into, and those uh, feedback really also help in the uh, strategizing your business uh, as well uh, as the products that you are building. So I think to be open to have those feedbacks continuously and really use those is also helping to bring the product to the market. So the next generation of the instrument would be equipped with the things that uh, really came from the real life problems with the talking to various customers in the market. Exactly. So I think uh, into this point, Arpita, it, the feedback and the listening will then also, and it's a good leading to the next topic, which is will, will lead us to understand the structure of the industry in a much better way, right? 
depending on also like uh, what uh, is the drug discovery at what stage you are, what kind of drug. So the market is quite segmented. So depending on market uh, drug type. So sometimes uh, the small molecules uh, are used as the drugs or biologics uh, are used as the drugs, as well as there is a technology based like high uh, throughput screening pharmacogenomics. So there is a nano different uh, nanotechnological uh, approaches, combinatorial chemistry. So there are different technologies working as well as uh, uh, end users. So as uh, we see here in the slide, so I'm mostly talking about the end users here as uh, the pharmaceutical companies, uh, uh, contract research organizations, the CROs, the uh, big pharma, um, then uh, there is uh, research centers uh, as well as academic institutes because uh, uh, as a startup, it's always uh, to go back and forth. Sometimes it's important to collaborate with the research institutes and academic uh, um, centers uh, to get feedback and also as well to get the fundamental research. The other thing would be also important uh, based on the geography. Maybe we'll talk about that as well a little bit. But uh, what is important uh, to know and uh, know your industry, where you are working. So if you want to bring your AI or any uh, <clears throat> solution to the market, so the company you are talking to, so a little bit of homework on that is really, really important uh, to know the company's structure, hierarchy, and who are the key decision makers, and who you are talking to, where does it lie in the supply chain, also the companies, and where in the company's decision making he lies. So a lot depends uh, how you present and what you talk about your solution to, uh, whom you were talking, uh, the company. So once we were talking, uh, I remember uh, with um, Mark. So Mark being one of uh, the really big giants uh, in pharma. So I, I started uh, with uh, talking to somebody at the really starting level as a scientist. So we were talking about uh, crystal structures. Uh, and then uh, we could, with him, him, we could walk along uh, the up the hierarchy and get in touch with uh, the key decision makers. So, so, but what is key here is that we could trigger the interest. So you know your technology, you know, you talk with them and you discover uh, that, okay, they have these possibilities I can leverage on and really introduce uh, this for this. And also what is important to know that if uh, the organization or the company you are approaching does fundamental research or applied research, because uh, it, it is quite uh, required uh, in terms of approaches uh, that uh, to really know uh, where do they lie, because uh, again, your solution, so your, uh, what you are selling is very relevant with what work they are doing. So it comes uh, to know that uh, what uh, kind of uh, applied or fundamental research. So you can really work with both. We would uh, sell the same or bring uh, an, uh, the same product to both of them and try to really fit into their needs. But it's important to know that. As well as when we are working is in pharma sector, so what is important to know about the FDA or EMA regulations, uh, for example, on manufacturing. So if, uh, let's say, most of the CROs that uh, I personally had the uh, experience with are working in this uh, quality assurance and quality control, these kind of areas. So then uh, the need of uh, the particular solution is different. They work in a different way. So it's more about certification and there is a gold standard that has to be followed and the strict uh, regulatory gu guidelines versus the R&D. So also then when we talk about research center and uh, academic institute, this is where most of the fundamental research uh, takes place. So we also talk about uh, the R&D sector a lot uh, about and to find the match where 
uh, it works. So sometimes uh, it also happens, we talk with the uh, uh, research centers where there might not be as much money to immediately uh, uh, invest in your solution. But what is interesting is that you can develop a scientific collaboration over time and uh, get them a taste of your solution. And if it is good, if the quality is really good of uh, your product, it eventually comes uh, down that they would be used to uh, using this and they would really like to uh, take into that. So what uh, another thing, so as much as the in, we are interested uh, in the technology and bringing it to the market, but why we are doing that, we need to generate revenue out of them. So whatever we are talking and it comes uh, and boils down as we go down the funnel that what is the readiness to play the urgency if they have so to this, it is important uh, to know those uh, aspects of uh, the particular company you are talking to that uh, to really find uh, uh, their budget. So if it's a small biotech, how much uh, they can, if your equipment or your product is in millions, if they can really afford it. If not, then immediately you have to devise ways uh, that how you can still engage them, if not uh, really just acquiring uh, this particular product. If there are other ways to collaborate as a service, as leasing uh, and different uh, other ways uh, to get uh, them uh, have a business and commercial relationship uh, with you. But it is important to know their urgency budget. So all this comes uh, when we really talk. So usually we, uh, there is a saying there is 80-20 rule. So 80% is you have to let uh, them talk and 20% you talk to more discover. Great, great. Okay, well, I think that this is a great uh, first overview uh, to kind of frame the discussion for today. Thank you, Arpita, for this. I think I'd like to open it up for, for questions. Uh, if we have some uh, around the table, we'll be happy to answer those. When you, when you look at what you've done so far in the business development area, uh, what would be some, some things you, you would say in terms of uh, understanding the need? What are some of the ways you do that in, uh, when you talk to the, to the potential company? Let's talk, of course, about more on the pharmaceutical side. Uh, you can give some tips to the audience how to do that. Yes, I think, uh, like I said, the key starting point would be to really understand the technology, because for me to understand what they are doing, it's important that I know what I am doing as well, so I can tell them what we are doing. So to really understand my technology that I am representing, bringing as well as uh, so when, uh, let's say, for example, uh, I make a call to a CRO or a pharma company, so I, I usually like uh, to be really keep it simple and honest and really ask them, oh, okay, what are your activities? If I could talk uh, to you about it, to have some discovery questions, like we say, if we can qualify them to take it to the next level. So it's important to be really honest and ask uh, that uh, what you were doing and uh, there are, if there are some pain points at the moment that you might be facing, okay, in a particular uh, field mm -hmm. and uh, then try to uh, bring them together. Uh, so yeah, not really be pushy. Okay, I have this uh, amazing uh, cutting edge technology, please uh, take it and then you would uh, generate uh, 10,000 APIs, uh, molecules, small molecules in sometimes. So it's, it, it's more like a building. So it's more organic as we speak uh, with mm -hmm. them over what their activities are daily life let's say sometimes also we talk about a regular day of work how it is what it involves what he does in the lab or in the um... exactly exactly and it's fair to say that when we see uh, at ParkSense, it's true for what you do it's true for all the different clients and areas we're working in 
this implies also what you mean when you have this organic discussion, which is more, it's less of a presentation, it's really of an interactive discussion. It requires you also most likely to be, to know your customer, right? To do some preparation onto what they do, what are their priorities. So can you talk about, give us some examples of what you, what you do for this? Yes, uh, for example, yeah, knowing your customer is, I think, uh, the primary uh, requirements. Otherwise, uh, the whole uh, the whole line of uh, the talk, the discussion that you would be having, it wouldn't really go uh, wherever. So, firstly, it is important to take time and not like just uh, go and boom, send out an email or call somebody to text. Take your time, make a pause, and I read a little bit about their activities, what they do, uh, to set up my ba base, uh, particularly. So if it's a CRO, I try to see their activities uh, in terms of uh, quality control and assurance. What do they? What are their activities in particular field? Field. Uh, for example, when uh, I approached Mark, so I could see that uh, they have uh, the uh, need with the crystallize crystallization. So they, they were working really, really with a tiny amount of starting materials uh, for which. Uh, so although they were already. Uh, collaborating with another uh, company in uh, resolving structures uh, in sponge with the sponge technology where they don't really have to uh, make uh, really well-defined crystals. So uh, I, I, I try to get into those uh, that I mm -hmm. know there is a lacuna or a pain point uh, that they might have. Also, when talking to them, I discovered that uh, uh, Darmstadt, where there is a, their global uh, center for uh, analysis uh, is so all the samples come to them from different parts of the world. So there we could see that there is a waiting time for one sa sample to be measured around three months or so. So you see there is an urgency. You develop the, or build on those that, yeah, as a pharma giant, they would not probably prefer uh, to get uh, things more faster and bring to the market. So after all, it's all about uh, yeah, being fast and who gets it into the market and taps those uh, market requirements faster. So then you know, okay, no, I can uh, pop this uh, up here and uh, leverage on this urgency. Then there is a, a technological uh, bottleneck in uh, making crystals. Uh, so to leverage on those both technology and the market requirements, et cetera. So it, it's a combination of those. So mm -hmm. all this comes a little bit of both, little bit of your own uh, homework on the work activities as well as talking to the relevant people. Okay, so and then uh, as we as we speak along, we have uh, Eric uh, with the LDCO uh, leading LDCO uh, development and uh, and growth as a CEO. You have an organic discussion, and then the question obviously is how to proceed when the prospect doesn't see the benefit. And obviously, uh, this is a this is a good question. So Arpita, what do we do? This is a, a quite a relevant question. Uh, I would say. So it is a, it, it happens quite uh, sometimes. It's not that every time it's full excitement and uh, rosy picture. They, they don't see because uh, especially when you are bringing a new technology to the market that people are not used to. So when you are bringing something already in catalog and it's been established, but uh, to really uh, tell uh, uh, when we are bringing something new, it's not always uh, easy to show uh, the brighter side uh, of this technology. So what I sometimes uh, try to do that and at least try to engage uh, the people that I am talking to with the keywords and not if not immediately they are seeing it. So maybe I would have two meetings, three calls, I would follow up with them, uh, <clears throat> telling them, okay, but it's not about that. Okay, I have this, take it. 
So it's more about uh, talking what they are doing and uh, how they are. So if they don't see it, uh, sometimes it happens that uh, they don't see at the immediate uh, landscape. So if you give them a bird's eye view, okay, in terms of how you will save in terms of time, how uh, manpower, and finally you would maybe not by one sample you were measuring, but how it would be helping uh, at the long term. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I think what, what uh, maybe to bring this together, I think this is a, a, a clear, a very important point, and also uh, relates to uh, the, as you said earlier, the listening part of the conversation. And a lot of time, when you, when the the prospect doesn't see the benefit, one question you can ask yourself first is: Have we done enough discovery from the problem they have? And effectively, as you say, Arpita, it's not always about the technical breakthrough that you're bringing, because sometimes the technical breakthrough is there, but it's maybe not what they're looking for. Maybe it's the process, the end-to-end -end process, which is important, uh, maybe because of the qualification required from running a, a certain machine or equipment, maybe before effectively because of the size of the samples, or there is there is a whole process which is around your solution, which you have to take into account. And obviously, sometimes what we see, one of the challenges we try to, we tend to jump too quickly to a selling mode. And the selling mode is effectively uh, a lot of time uh, less, uh, less, in, less, uh, less relevant because as you said, Arpita, it's not replacing something existing in a catalog cell. It's really uh, sometimes uncovering a new need, uncovering new value, which people are not necessarily doing today. And you need to generate these ideas, right? So it's through the discussion, the organic discussion, like the word you used, Arpita, is where you can create this or uncover the need. But effectively, be prepared. I think coming back to your example on the battery side is be prepared to jump from one discussion to a new discussion yeah. because the person, maybe we can talk about that, Arpita, the person you're talking to or the company you're talking to might not be the one who needs the equipment, but it's a lead-in to something else. Yeah, this uh, indeed is the case. So they might not immediate, there is not immediate uh, urgency to discover a new material uh, to put in the batteries, uh, et cetera, or any any field, let's say, for example. So, but what, what we could do is like, uh, then also I think with one of the universities, what we did, they did not have uh, so much uh, money to <clears throat> get into a commercial relationship. So at, at times you can also propose that, okay, let us write a joint project together and uh, ask for a funding from an external agency that so that you get the funds from that agency and then you buy this equipment. So there are various ways uh, as we talk. And so if the product is good, if uh, we can find the right fit, so rest of the things uh, can be built up uh, eventually. So there is a, also sometimes it happens that uh, if it's a bigger organization, let's say for example, sometimes we work with the CROs, so contract research organizations, they uh, have, let's say Charles River or, uh, yeah, Nubisan here. So in terms of, so mostly they're focusing on, uh, let's say small molecule discovery APIs also, but some are like Johnson Mate, et cetera, where they are also having a battery uh, a segment, a catalyst uh, segment, chemical uh, segment. So sometimes uh, if you see the bigger picture, if you learn the, their activities, okay, one approach is not working. Maybe they are uh, using uh, some other collaborations or however, try this. We're learning every day a little bit more, exactly. Uh, same for me, on the, uh, together with you, Arpita, on the drug discovery uh, and both hardware, because of course we don't forget the hardware and the software side. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things happening. 
and effectively this is exci an exciting time to be in this field of drug discovery just to continue effectively on the on the conversation with you arpita you mentioned the, the industry structure uh, so let's talk about that. Uh, maybe a, a situation where the tool, is, the solution is used internally versus the tool is used as a service for somebody else. Uh, different, different perspective, right? Like a, a big pharma typically going to use it internally. A CRO, uh, contract research organization, might be using it for a service to somebody else, or a university would do the same, most likely. So how do you structure the discussion in this case? Yeah, so first, uh, the, I, I would say first it would be about discovering what they are doing. So normally you would know So if it's a really big pharma, so we just directly know if it's something like Johnson & Johnson, Mark, etc. So, okay, it's more about their own activities uh, and uh, if uh, it is uh, CROs. And also a lot of uh, universities, uh, they have their centers uh, where they do their own stuff as well as they provide services. So if, they, if you send a sample or something, so they would measure it for you and give it to you. So that's where we need to know why they are studying, what they are studying. So if it's to, as a, uh, to uh, pass the regulatory guidelines or is it uh, to discover something? So this is important to know uh, where they stand in the supply chain uh, and also to learn uh, about their activities from that perspective and then build onto the discussion because also it depends on a lot depends on their readiness to, to pay market readiness on what they are doing. So exactly, exactly. I, th I think that's where I probably wanted to go as well with you is effectively the, the, the fact that they use internally versus they use it as a service to provide to other companies they will influence a lot the readiness to pay effectively and also the business model you talked about the business model how to deliver the solution so that effectively that's that's an important point you want to without going to naming uh, the specific companies but uh, you want to share a little bit about different business model that you we've been uh, looking at and some ways to structure the business model which could be ideas for for yeah. the audience Yes, uh, I think so. So I think uh, the key is also to be really flexible and constantly uh, evolve and re-strategize, strategize your business development strategies depending on who you are talking. So there should not be one particular, okay, I have this particular thing and I have to bring it to the market. This, But yeah, of course, we are doing really interesting science, but how to bring it to the market is uh, the question. So also depending on uh, readiness to pay, read, uh, in also the market readiness where they are, if uh, it is difficult to really acquire an instrument or a solution, so there are other ways to devise uh, a, or build a commercial relationship. Uh, we could uh, offer most like sometimes with academic research, uh, it is that it is more, more like a scientific collaboration. So you work on a project together. Yeah, so there are various ways. So if it's a service industry and uh, if they are doing it every day, so maybe they would like to acquire uh, an uh, instrument them for themselves uh, if it's an everyday. So depending on also the how frequent uh, is their uh, requirement for a particular technology or uh, you offer a measurement as a service uh, model, then they, you let them. So you also sometimes lease them. So there are leasing models. Uh, so that way, yeah, by the time the funding comes, uh, they can already start using the technology. And uh, as I say, so quality matters so to survive uh, in uh, the market. Uh, so if exactly. you have uh, developed a market relevant, high quality product, it's going to be there. So they will wait for the funding to come and acquire the instrument. Exactly. So I think uh, to this point, Eric is raising a full on question. Uh, if a CRO can lease the equipment, so finance the equipment, only some 10 measurements per month will pay off the rent. So that's an interesting point, effectively. I think it relates to the value generation of the particular process compared to the cost of acquiring the equipment. 
So it's famous, effectively back to the return on investment topic, which is which is uh, which is out there. Uh, so I think that's an important point. Effectively, that will also impact um, the decision of uh, proceeding. But as you said, the trying the equipment or trying the solution, it could be an equipment, a software, trying the solution uh, in advance, uh, making sure they can use it and can test it. It's also an important aspect of getting buy-in internally. Right. Yeah. We we discussed with some uh, large institute in Germany where uh, not uh, not very not very long ago, where it was very obvious that they need to be a buy-in internally among the decision makers and using the tool uh, mm -hmm. for that and basically as a showcase, is be, it becomes a very very important aspect of the further success of the solution with big companies. Yeah, exactly. So especially uh, when we are bringing something new. So if it's not established, I mean, for example, uh, uh, with the even the AI technologies uh, for drug discovery, these are really, really new. So if we bring uh, it uh, to something and people would still be the, uh, I mean, everybody is excited about uh, reducing the cost and time and effort, et cetera. But uh, the safety regulations, uh, even the patients and the doctors, if they would be really excited to try those immediately, also it depends uh, where uh, also to, there, there are strong, really strong, uh, regulatory guidelines and pharmacovigilance to pass through those. So, I mean, when something new comes, uh, so there is a lot more flexibility and thinking and rethinking and re-strategizing uh, needs to go around to really build up uh, into this. Exactly. One thing maybe to, to discuss uh, as we continue the conversation is the, the noise, right? There is a problem of noise because of course, as we saw uh, early on in the, in the presentation, there is a lot of money being invested in the space of drug discovery, as I said, more, both hardware and software, even though, of course, software it seems to be very attractive as well. And of course, by, def by definition, because of the amount of money being spent, there is a lot of noise. Everybody is doing basically a drug development, uh, acceleration, high throughput screening, simulation, you named all the different process steps which where AI can be applied. And basically, in each of those process steps, there is always already many different players. So there is a lot of noise in this. Uh, so one thing we see, which is uh, maybe you can talk to that in a moment, Arpita, is that instead of going with the AI first kind of uh, discussion, uh, I think back to your uh, point earlier, we have to be sure we focus more on the problem of the customer and the process and the organization and the current priorities because at the end of the day ai or electron diffraction or whatever can be the technology is only an enabler to a solution uh, to a problem right so that's important so maybe you can talk about that arpita how do you frame this and what kind of how important is the wording sometimes to make sure that we don't lose people in the noise very important. Uh, I think it's all, it's all about uh, words to begin with. I mean, uh, to catch uh, the, I mean, to keep the trigger on the curiosity generation, it's about wor words. After that comes uh, when you sit down and have a broader discussion comes the more intense uh, or in-depth uh, talk about the technology. Uh, so to really know the right words and frame those uh, using, because if from I, I really have a personal experience uh, uh, with a company where uh, you have a very interesting solution. They have built a really nice product uh, in a nice way. So 
you know, it, it is quite interesting as a scientist also for me when I saw this, wow, this is pretty cool what they're doing and, and they made such a certain way. But when uh, I tried to really work with that product and talk to people around it, so also when it is a new product, there is a little bit of market discovery, market in intelligence involved around. So sometimes also it depends on what you have built. So if you have done enough uh, bit of uh, market research or if there is a need for what you have built, so you have built really cool stuff, but do, is there a need uh, for it here? Also depending on geography, landscapes, whatever. So it is quite important and also depending on that. So I, I have learned uh, a lot uh, during this uh, as well. So I think uh, it's quite important uh, to really frame the right words for that. Or again, you have to know your customer. You really have to know what they are doing and uh, then accordingly adapt your story. Exactly. I think this is a this is a key point. So choice of word, keeping people uh, being honest in what we do, in all what we do, but obviously being on the listening mode so that we discover what their real problems are and, uh, and probably avoid even the, the use of word like AI or machine learning uh, too early because it will basically kill the conversation because people have heard this uh, word too many times already and misused a lot of times yeah, for, yeah. for no good reason. So try to keep the focus on the problem and the situation of the of the client or the prospect is very important in, yeah, this, in this context. About Noel, so I mean, uh, what uh, as a scientist or as a business developer now, what I would do is uh, in terms that to filter the signal uh, from the noise, right? I, I would take the signal out mm -hmm. of, <laughs> we do this signal to noise ratio calculation. Exactly, exactly. And in this case, there is a lot of noise. So you have to, the filter has to be quite big, right? So that's yeah. important. But but uh, an, uh, another another point uh, which is which is uh, alongside this topic is how do you uh, structure the the next steps right so in terms of uh, when you have a good discussion let's move to to the call to action because there's obviously a, a call to action how do you look at this Arpita in the conversation how do you tr convert an initial interest into something more tangible as you say we have to at the end of the day drive revenues and top line for the company so how do we how do we look it, into that in terms of conversation and and discussion yeah i think it's uh, quite important uh, that you do an active follow up but in a correct way and yeah, not sounding pushy okay it's sometimes yeah we have really nice discussion also it depends who did you talk to? If you talk to a professor from an in university, or if you talk to, to let's say a business uh, guy from a company, so the follow-up uh, also depends a lot uh, with the where it uh, stopped, where it ended. So accordingly, you have to adapt and design uh, the follow-up. Let's say if you mail or but an active follow-up is always uh, important, even when uh, not always at the end of a nice call sometimes uh, yeah things don't really there is a mismatch or we discover it during the engagement call but i think uh, what is important that uh, still uh, highlight uh, okay uh, what we can bring the value that can we can propose to them uh, is important uh, to keep them engaged and then uh, yeah get back to them uh, if there is an immediate urgency okay very good if not okay then uh, decide on a timeline we you, you don't exactly. have Exactly. So it comes down, if I understand correctly, also to narrowing down to the pilot or test, uh, which is meaningful for them, maybe something which is coming up uh, very quickly. Offer, often we offer that. So if it's an industry, we, we, if it's a, for example, research center, we can say, okay, if they have a, a difficult molecule, difficult sample in their mind, which is uh, a challenge with their current uh, uh, instrumental setup in uh, their uh, 
organization. So we would be happy to get uh, that uh, sample to establish a proof of concept. So also to uh, create a benchmark with the existing technology and what we bring together. So mm -hmm. this could be one of uh, the approaches to, okay, build up a relationship with them mm -hmm. that do that also sometimes, yes, also that, yeah, come, uh, we talk about uh, different other uh, ways of uh, building a relationship. If it's acquiring is a problem, uh, we uh, talk about measurement as a service. Also, sometimes we also have offer with, like I was mentioning, Remac uh, Automobile. So they are not really fundamental researchers, but what uh, as we went on to talk, talking with them, so indulging or involving in a constructive uh, talk where you know the technology. Again, it comes back to the starting point where I say you really have to know what you are doing and with what you are working. So if you are sound uh, with the technology, so then we actually ended up, okay, uh, we do partner with this kind of particular group for doing simulations uh, to study the life cycle maintenance of our batteries. Uh, and then, okay, ah, okay, you do simulations there. Maybe you take the experimental data from us because we will give you mm -hmm. configuration for crystal. Exactly, work out a solution. So it's a, almost like a co-creation of, of, yeah. of a use case, uh, which we have to be prepared to do. But effectively, as you say, very importantly, the technical background has to be there because you have to put your you have to be able to put yourself at least in some ways in the shoes of the other uh, company organization and what would be important for them but you have to be able to walk them through these co-creation steps and to walk them through the co-creation step you have to understand the process to, at least to a good level exactly. so that you can be uh, relevant and also credible i mean if you yeah. If lucky we have you, Arpita, who has a, such a strong background in biophysics and and, and biotech, uh, because of course uh, with my background in business it would be a bit more difficult conversation with the technical level, right? So that's uh, I think we can complement each other. So business and technology, that's where the bridge is is important as well. But obviously, uh, I'd like also to to allow you, uh, Arpita, to to bring this together uh, and summarize uh, what we've been discussing. So what are your takeaways of, of the work you do in bringing technology to market in this drug discovery field uh, with Sparksense? Yes. So I think, uh, yeah, as we really spoke uh, at length about how to bring technology to market. So uh, what is sustainable, what stays constant uh, in all these is that uh, quality is, the, is your best business plan. So if you have built uh, a really good quality product, uh, so this is so if you are also, I also need to be satisfied about the product that I'm talking about. So it's not about uh, just going and uh, making a rosy picture of something. So first thing that I have to also believe in this is that the quality of it is really good and it's gonna add value to the uh, larger landscape or ecosystem, let's say, and also tell uh, to the prospects that, yeah, this is the quality and they would also benefit from this. So any product uh, that uh, we are talking a scientific instrument or a software has to uh, be really of good quality. But what is also equally important, maybe it's not uh, uh, written here as a key word, is that the, its relevance. Like I said, I work with uh, a technology which is really nice and cool, a bio biotech uh, pro uh, project uh, where everything, but I discovered that there is no market requirement for this. So this is where, I mean, how cool uh, product you might have built uh, comes uh, really, uh, if you cannot uh, tell, uh, the prospects that uh, uh, it will be bringing you the costs uh, that you have put in acquiring this uh, technology would bring you higher returns and you would uh, 
generate higher revenues, uh, then it's uh, the cool uh, technology is not relevant. Exactly. Yes, and along the ways uh, we already discussed, uh, we really have to be agile and uh, find the customer-centric approaches. So it's not about you, my solution is great, great, but how my solution will help them make their business great or their discovery great. So that is the question here. So it's not about my uh, problem that uh, my I built my problem. So it's more about uh, their how you will address their problem. So these all come together. So we we keep on uh, learning every day and uh, re-strategizing the business development strategy several times for particular things. And also with AIs, I think it would be even more required to stay up to date uh, with the regulatory guidelines because uh, these are quite important when you play in medical sector, uh, healthcare sectors, uh, those FDA guidelines uh, are really, really relevant and uh, they are very strong. So this is again also sometimes demotivates uh, uh, the players uh, over there because after all these years and investment of so much money in a particular project, if it does not uh, 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 qualify the regulatory guidelines to come to the market. So uh, it is also important for us uh, as uh, we bring the tech to the market that also that the regulatory guidelines are up to the state of art and you know about those and you need to talk about those. So it's also quite important and uh, to really act fast on those to really leverage from the market uh, requirements. So uh, as I was talking about this comp companies which are built on the virtual uh, clinical trials, uh, as well as the computer-aided drug design. So what was uh, the key point here that they immediately knew, okay, AI is coming in, let's quickly leverage on those. Uh, so there is a, a problem uh, keeping one particular patient engaged in a clinical trial for a decade, asking him to come every couple of months, a year, to give the samples and be participating in the process. So we make it virtual. And this really worked. They are qu quite an established startup already by now. It's been five, six years. They are in the market doing really well. So really the timeliness and relevance of what you are doing is quite, yeah. And then I really identify the market fit and uh, to see new uh, opportunities, both in the niche market where it's not really visible, but a little bit of market discovery is required. And sometimes it's slightly hidden and not so hidden, even if it's not so obvious, let's say, if not hidden, not so obvious. So if you know, where to approach, so find a balance and also leverage, of course, the visible ones are already out there. So we would go uh, around them and learn from also them what they are doing. And meanwhile, use this. I personally would learn from the visible markets and then go and use it uh, to find the niche uh, market and also yeah, build up on those, I would say. Thank you. Thank you, Arpita, for, for these, uh, for these uh, good, great takeaways and effectively uh, bringing this together. I see the, the question from Tai Leong uh, uh, restated a bit uh, a bit more. I think what, what you imply is that uh, if there is a need, uh, so we are talking to an organization and instead of uh, maybe paying you money, they are looking for a sponsorship or they're looking for a partnership. Effectively, I think this is where Arpita, where you, you were implying, we have to be ready to evolve the business model and the collaboration between you and the different uh, parties involved maybe it's, it can imply to have a collaboration, a scientific research collaboration, sponsoring a project. Uh, so you have to look at this. But of course, at the end of the day, what, what you have to look, keep in mind is always what's in it for you. Because of course, uh, if they ask you to sponsor, uh, if they ask you to, for money, I guess in this case, uh, or uh, maybe in-kind contribution with an equipment, for example, uh, the question is still is always okay. So what do I get out of this relationship? 
Uh, is there visibility? Can I get reputation out of this? Can I get uh, experience and feedback? Um, these are important aspects of for a startup and especially for young startups. Those are important aspects of uh, the discovery, as uh, Arpita was saying as well, to be able to learn from it. The important point when you do that is you have to make sure that in the contractual setup that you are engaging, whatever you do, there is a disclosure around marketing communications. You have to be able to disclose the relationship. Uh, if it's about image and reputation, well, if you cannot disclose the relationship, it's going to be difficult to benefit from it, right? So those are maybe elements. I hope I understood uh, the question correctly. That's, I think, some maybe to bring this together for this call today. And we're happy to take the conversation forward. Uh, so effectively, uh, with that being said, uh, I, I want to thank everyone who joined this conversation today. And um, I want to invite you, each one of you to get in touch with SparkSense. Uh, we have a team of business development associates which are located in Europe, but also in the US to help bring technology to market in the field of drug discovery in particular, but also in other areas. So looking forward to discussing with you. And with that being said, I want to thank you, Arpita, for making this conversation so engaging and interesting today. And yeah, we look forward to, to continue the drug discovery uh, yeah. process. Yes, looking forward to it too, as we uh, talk about uh, that, like I said uh, at the beginning, I uh, we are really hoping that um, we live up to the hype uh, of AI and uh, yeah, see where it uh, revolutionizes the healthcare and yeah, transforms it. Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for joining. Have a good day, Ed, or a good evening. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.